Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Main Menu Main Menu Hello, Main Menu fans. You are listening to Main Menu for the 8th of December, 2017. I am your co-host, Jason Castingway. To start out the show, Randy returns with some guests. Some of you may remember the Accessible Devices podcast. Well, there was a reunion of sorts as they got together and discussed how a blind person uses a smart TV and soundbar. Lots of fun tech talk in this segment. They are using the Anchor platform, so you will hear references to that, which reminds me it's probably a great opportunity to talk about Anchor in a future show. We mentioned it very briefly a while back, but it has grown substantially since then. Next, Janine Stanley gives us Apple Watch 101 with tips and an overview of the functions of the watch. Okay, so we didn't explicitly mention gift ideas, but there's plenty of tech in this show to suggest some ideas. Happy listening! Well, hello everybody on Anchor. This is a really special treat for me, although it does pay me to say that. Uh, I have two very good friends here, and we have not been together recording for a long, long time. We used to be on the podcast called Accessible Devices, and now we are uh, doing this recording basically uh, to let other people know how we do certain things and just a general chit-chat about things that we do. Um, You are listening to three blind operators. Sounds like three blind mice, doesn't it? (laughs) Operator, thank be you. Three Stooges. Three Stooges. And uh, so, um, first, I'd like to introduce Terry Borden. Welcome to uh, Anchor. Well, thanks, Randy. It's yeah. kind of nice to be here. Yeah, and, uh, and Bill Tillery. Hi, Randy. Hello. I'm not going to lie. I'm not sure it's nice to be here. <laughs> uh, so, where are you? Where are you guys located, Terry? Where are you located? I'm here. Oh, I'm in, sorry. In your chair. I'm in upstate New York, just outside of Corning in a little dinky town called Painted Post, New York. Huh, okay. And, and I'm in L.A. You are in, yeah, <laughs> you just wish you were. <laughs> I am in L.A. I'm in lower Alabama, thank oh, you Oh, okay. I'm in, I'm in Orange Beach on the beautiful Gulf, called the Gulf of Mexico. And I'm in Minnesota, and... Uh, we are going to talk today about a couple of things that the listeners on Anchor were really curious about. Now, the first thing is how, uh, what is a, a Fire TV box? I'm not even sure what it's called. And then we're going to talk about Sonos equipment. So um, this is really, really going to be fun. Terry, let's start with you. What is that object that you have that you don't use as much anymore since you got the object that you well, use I'm now? I just... <laughs> Bought the 43-inch Fire TV, so I'm just moving things around. I don't have it hooked up on the other TV, right? But I'm still going to use it. Uh, The Fire TV box is a little box measured about oh, I think about five inches wide, maybe four, four and a half inches deep. Uh, I'd say about an inch thick. So it's kind of like a like an Apple TV, sort of. Yeah, only actually it's a lot thinner than the Apple TV. The mm-hmm. Apple TV is probably about two and a half, three inches thick and probably about four and a half inches square mm-hmm. uh, with rounded corners. But, uh, it sounds anyway. like it's about the size of an external hard drive, huh? Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's really no buttons on the unit itself. If you turn it around and face the back of it, starting from left to right, you have your power in. Next over, you have your uh, HDMI cable. Then you have your uh, Ethernet cable. If you want to use Ethernet, you can use that or, of course, Wi-Fi. And then you have a SD card slot for storage for apps. And uh, then a USB so that's just about it for the box. And uh, the remote control is the 
same size as the remote for the Fire TV itself, the uh, regular TV. And one would say that's probably about five inches long, about two inches, two and a half inches wide. And rounded on the back and fairly comfortable to hold in your hand. It, it has your round outer ring with your select button inside of it. Oh, the, the navigation pad. Your navigation pad, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And then below that, you have two row of three buttons. And they're the same buttons that the Apple TV has. The top row, uh, I think, uh, is your back button onto the left, your home button in the center, and your menu button to the right. Is you that got correct? it right. Yes, actually, yeah. you got it right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Then no. right directly underneath that is your other three, which is, uh, I guess, back, yeah, pause, yeah. play, and then to the right of that is your... Uh, forward. Now, what you've just described is the exact layout for the Element Fire TVs, and almost the same is a Fire Stick. And all the products that we are mentioning right now from Amazon can be operated from a blind user uh, using a screen reading device built inside the uh, device, and that's called Voice View. And all you have to do is activate it if you know how. And your devices from Amazon will speak to you. Uh, it'll actually read what's on its, well, you, you might say screen. Uh, they don't have screens, but it reads everything. It reads the menu structure. It reads program information. It reads the guide. And I am so excited to talk about these types of products, whether it be Apple or uh, Amazon, they have really, I mean, the last time we did an accessible devices podcast, this stuff wasn't even thought of. And now um, I have to say to you guys, a lot of time has gone by, as I say, since we've been actually together doing any kind of uh, demonstrations and podcasts. And (laughs) over the years, I had to laugh at uh, Terry because he, he talked to me over his Echo device which I don't want to say the name of it, but uh, um, he talked to me uh, and we were able to speak over uh, the Echo devices and they weren't even thought of. So uh, Terry mentioned to me that over the years, <laughs> he he uh, thought that I spent a lot of money uh, because he knew me and it's, you know, we all like our toys and uh, we all, all of us here that are together right now, the three of us, We've all talked to each other about our uh, respective devices, and each one of us has spent money, <laughs> a lot of money, mm, on this stuff. Bucks. Yes. Yeah, every time Randy would uh, <laughs> mention something, I'd have to have it. So I always had to blame him. Uh, before we move on too far, I want to mention one thing that I forgot to, of course, very important. Uh, right above the navigation pad on the remote control, uh, of course, it is the same as a TV. It has the talk button to hold in the right. talk. To speak to and, A-L-E-X-A, right? Yeah. <laughs> and that that's important. I, I left that out. And the, so actually, the only thing that's lacking is the on-off button at the top right-hand corner. And I think that's interesting. So this unit, once you plug this unit in, it stays powered all the time. Then you don't, you never have to go in and turn it on and off. You just leave it powered. Is that right? That, that's, that's, that's correct. A, that's another major difference. And I guess that's because it has no screen, huh? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh, one thing that's fairly important here that I, I've noticed, okay, you, you need to plug in an HDMI slot on your TV, of course. And if your TV is not accessible, sometimes it's a problem because of your... Uh, you don't know where you're going. Yeah. Yeah, your HDMI yeah. slots, okay? Yes. So what I had to do to make it accessible for me, I mean, Nancy could do it fine, but to make it accessible, I had to get an HDMI switch. And I could that way I could plug it in and I could plug my uh, direct TV into it and my uh, box and then I could just switch it back and forth. Just like Captain Kirk, you cheated. Yeah, yeah. You know, you <laughs> but you it works. Work, you got a workaround, you know. <laughs> so, but it works. But I have a remote 
uh, switch with remote control, another remote control, of course. <laughs> and you just switch it back and forth from the satellite box to the uh, Fire TV box. And it, w- it worked quite well. Now, the two of us here are on satellite, and one is on cable. Uh, things for you sighted listeners out there, uh, the satellite boxes have now become accessible, and that means they talk. And you might wonder, well, why do you want them to talk? Well, we like to read guides, just like you do. We want to be able to control our TVs, just like you do. We also want to know what different settings our devices are hooked into. We can now do all these things because uh, one one thing that uh, we can speak about, and uh, uh, Terry, now since you've got your box and since you've got your TV, have your viewing slash listening items changed? I mean, do you even need that box anymore? I suppose you would on another TV, but you don't, since you have a smart TV that talks and, and you can tell them about that. Terry and I and Bill, all of us here have the Amazon Element Fire TV. So you do you use your box as much? Uh, I'm not, well, I don't right now, but I am moving it to another TV. I'm ah. moving it to the, the TV in our living room, which is a Samsung TV. Gotcha. But it's, uh, my wife uses it more than I do, so I'm going to use that with the HDMI switch. So I can use the smart TV, which I really, I mean, it's built on the TV, but I can't use it very well. Right. <laughs> so I make it accessible with my Fire TV box. Gotcha. So I am going to get, uh, you know, the use out of it. But the layout in the programming and switching around inside there is almost identical to the 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 TV itself. Mm-hmm. Yes, I have a uh, an Amazon uh, Fire Stick, and uh, I don't use it anymore. There's no need, and the reason is I've got an Apple TV in the living room, and I have the Amazon Element Fire TV in the bedroom. Bill, uh, Bill, how do you, how have, uh, do you enjoy your uh, your Fire TV now that you've had it now for a few weeks? Actually, I enjoy them both quite well, thank you. Uh, I bought the 43-inch first and put it in the bedroom and also bought a a Yamaha soundbar that I put in there that works quite well with it. And, of course, the Element 4300, 43-inch is just great. It it is quite accessible. And then I turned around and bought the Element 55-inch for the living room, and it's on the wall. And so I I have two options now. And one of the reasons for me, honestly, and Terry and I had talked about this quite a few times. Oh, yeah, before, this is good. This is good, guys. Before, before we even realized that you had bought one and, were, and had planned to do a demonstration <clears throat> that we'd never heard. <clears throat> uh, but, but you did point, Terry, to another demonstration that I listened to, and, and it convinced me that this is the way I need to go, living on the Gulf Coast, uh, where we have often have uh, severe storms. I was looking for a way to get uh, HD antenna access and I couldn't do that through my current televisions before the fire TV because I couldn't select the right menu and scan the scan the, the HD channels and get them to come in on them on an external antenna well the first thing I was able to do with the with the fire TV was I, I bought two 50 mile range antennas with power boosters plugged it into the 43 inch scanned it got 28 channels the first time wow. and and one of them was the local the local station in out of Mobile that I really do like their weather people. So for a change, I can you know when everything was going off, I could still I could still get power because of course I have an accessible generator generator uh, that powers my house when the power goes out. So I could get I could still get weather uh, over the TV and be able to hear it quite readily. And that for me was a was a much improved situation. So that's why I bought the second one as well, because I can actually uh, do the same thing, which I have done, and now I can get local channels over HD antennas and not have to worry about when cable goes out. Yeah, I know when uh, Bill and I were sending texts back and forth, and uh, we uh, you talk uh, several times a week, and it's so easy to do with our Echo devices and all the devices that we have at our disposal. Um, <laughs> he was just elated when he was able to um, 
but he downplayed it a lot. I said, well, did you get your TV? Yep. <laughs> so I said, did you get your antennas working the way you wanted to and by yourself? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, of course sure, I did. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was the whole purpose, right? And it does. It works quite well. It really does. I'm, I'm really impressed. Uh, and, of course, Mobile is about probably 60 miles from here as the crow flies. I'm not sure where the transmitters are, but... Uh, it's it's quite a range, but they they come in quite well. So I'm I'm really pleased with that. Yep, and I have a uh, Sony talking TV out in the living room. It's a 49 inch, and that has speaking HD mic. Well, the whole TV talks, um, but it uses not voice view, but it uses talkback. It's an Android TV, and it updates. And you know, just like other TVs do, it's one of the first TVs I've ever seen that when there's an update, it gets pushed. Now, I don't want this to sound like a, an advertisement for Amazon, but we're, we are in a very comfortable <laughs> age, uh, you might say, um, uh, not, not in numbers, <laughs> although that's coming up, but accessibility-wise, uh, it's just great to turn on your TV, either satellite or cable. Um, I'm, I'm just elated when I hear my satellite TV speak. Uh, reading the guy, what's on TV? There's no question anymore. You know, it's just like anyone else watching their TV. It's great. It is. It really is, and 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 that's completely true. Whether it's whether it's cable, satellite, or HD antenna, yeah, open air antenna, you you get it, and it's it's there for you, and you don't have to ask somebody, well, what's coming on? You just flip to the guide and know yourself. Yeah, it's really it's really a big advantage. It has changed some of my television watching because I I actually limited it. To certain things that I knew about, uh, and I would watch those things and not much else. But now, since of course you know, you can get uh, uh, you can get Amazon Prime, you can get their their video, you can get their music, you can get Netflix, you can get Hulu. Uh, if you want to subscribe to any or all of these, they're accessible now, so you you're able to go to those. And not only that, but they have really really started moving forward toward a lot more DVS. For these things, oh, yes. uh, for these shows, you know, which is a great advantage for us. I mean, I, I just, uh, I, as I told you guys, I've been watching the Longmire series on Netflix, and I was really surprised because the first three seasons were not uh, were not DVS, and I just, um, I knew the storyline because I had read the books, but then I, I hit series four, episode one, and lo and behold, it's video described, and you know, so it, it. It really, they are doing some things with it, which is great. So explain to the listeners what DVS means and what it does. Okay, descriptive video service. It uses your second audio programming channel, uh, in most cases, to uh, you will hear a voice that it's usually a little lower than the actors, are, and they try to space it so that in between the dialogue of whatever's going on in this particular program, in between the dialogue... Someone will describe actions and scenes, uh, such as even clothing and gestures that the actors are performing. And they will just describe, uh, say, mountains, mountain scenes and that kind of thing. So you get an idea of really what's going on in the show itself. So you get more than just dialogue and music. You actually are being told what they are doing. And that's really an advantage for us. And I have to commend Netflix. They, I think, out of all of them, is some of the best described movies that yes. you ever want to hear. Yes. Yeah, they do a really great job. They really do. Man. So, what do you think, Terry? Do you uh, do you get into Netflix? Have you gotten into them yet? And well, some of the other no, stuff. No, I haven't used Netflix. I, I have Hulu, and I like that. But I, I really haven't found too many audio description on. Uh, Ooh, I haven't found any actually. There, <laughs> well, that's I'm not, well, I'm not looking right. And, and since this is a, a podcast of our own making, we can say what we want. There is no audio description on Hulu, and they're they're being, uh, let's say, uh, more than gently asked to provide or <laughs> dot dot uh -huh. dot. Well, you no. know, the truth of the matter is, Amazon was resistant. When Netflix decided to move forward with that, Amazon was resistant for a while, but now they've got into the act, and they're doing some DVS as well. So I think it's just a matter of time before you see Hulu and the others do the same. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. I, I like uh, Hulu because I like a lot of the old programming that's on there. And I don't know if Netflix has as much or not as the uh, as Hulu. So what do you uh, what do you like on Hulu? Oh, uh, Rockford Files and uh, trying to think of some of the other stuff. Just like some of the retro Dick Van Dyke yep. and some of that stuff, and of mm-hmm. course uh, Andy Griffith. So, uh, do you find that Hulu? Uh, the guides and everything is, and uh, we're not talking about descriptive. We're just talking about the guides. Um, and do they do they speak? Are you able to get yeah, around, and navigate? Yeah, I can, I can. That speaks fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As, as far as that goes, the only thing that I, you know, mentioned is the uh, descriptive video. Yeah. I haven't found any of that yet. So. Yeah. Well, you've almost convinced me that <laughs> that I should get get Hulu. <laughs> Now, yeah. the only problem with some of this stuff is, although it's it's so very very good, it makes you want to just sit down, watch TV, and eat chips. Yes, yes, that, that is a problem. Yes. You can become very sedentary and well overweight in a hurry if you're not careful. Because as I said, it has changed my my watching habits uh, very quickly. I mean, I've only had my systems for a month or so, you know. And yeah. habit is the uh, operative word. It uh, yes. You know, to be able to just go and watch a movie and turn it on, just go. All right, let's see which yeah. movie to what. Yeah, of course. Now, with since since it's accessible to us, you know, you can actually you can actually watch an episode, stop, come back where you pick, you know, come back to where you left off, and start again, and never miss anything. Yep. So that's really a great thing um, as well. On Netflix, can you get that without the commercials, or do they have yeah. commercials? There are no, no com- commercials. No, there are no commercials on Netflix. Yeah. Okay. See Hulu, it's uh, I think it's what eight nine dollars without with commercials and eleven bucks without commercials. Netflix is totally commercial free. Uh, the only difference is how many people can watch for what level of payment that is mm-hmm. incurred, and uh, if you can watch four K, four K can only be watched on the top tier. Now you probably wonder well. What do we care about 4K? Well, we don't. Um, we're glad that it is provided, but people in the household uh, that uh, can see, uh, they like 4K. Sure. Uh, yeah. And um, let's see, I've got it set up so that four people can watch at a certain time, and it's 4K, and it's the, it's the, the highest <laughs> tier. <laughs> So, well, see, I'm they, in the same position. I did the same thing. Yeah. Uh, because since I have two televisions, I decided to go with that because I do have company family that comes in from time to time, and and uh, they they like to sit and watch things. And so I thought, well, you know, and of course, it just the price just increased this month. As a matter of fact, it's going up to thirteen ninety nine in December. Don't well, know if you knew. That's that. because yeah, I did. Well, that's because that you're on board now. You made it happen. I did. Yeah. I asked him to please. <laughs> Thank you. Just make me happy. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, I, see, all I'd need for is for two TVs actually, because there's just two of us in the house. So, mm-hmm. uh, and we don't have comp. If we have company, it's on. You know, use the same TV anyway. But sure. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I don't know. I might get Netflix. Well, I'll. You, you can try it, and if you don't like it, and if you don't like it, you tell me why, because. I think it's uh, one of the neatest services around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. And as a matter of fact, I, I my thirty days was up this past Sunday, and I had to make the choice of to continue with the uh, with the subscription or not. And I just let it roll because I had no intention of getting away from yeah. it since I found so many so many really good things on there that I enjoy. You didn't even bat a finger, did you? I, I did not. <laughs> I actually put an anchor on it so it wouldn't move. I see. (laughs) (laughs) Well, all I have to do is do that with a chip bag, and uh, we'll be all set. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, this is great stuff. We're really happy. Uh, And I've got to commend Dish for their accessibility. It's just amazing. Um, And so is the subscription that you have. Uh, Terry, you're using which satellite? I can't remember. I'm used to DirecTV, which I understand Dish is better in a way. Um, the reason why I like uh, DirecTV is because I have AT&T for my phone carrier. Ah, ah, ah gotcha. And so, therefore, I get uh, I don't have to worry about that if I want to watch TV on my phone if I'm someplace. 
and uh, I yeah. can just tune in and it doesn't cost me anything. Yeah, we can uh, do the same thing with with, uh, with Dish. It doesn't, there's, there's no cost for that either, and it's accessible. I mean, there are some bumps, but, you know, they're getting better. I mean, you can use that with an AT&T phone or Verizon or whatever. Yep. And no data. For me, I'm on the T-Mobile network, and I've subscribed oh. to the senior plan, you know. Oh, so yeah, yeah, you're I up there. Imagine why. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, what the difference is between that is uh, we pay, uh, it's 30 bucks a month for unlimited everything. I mean, how can you beat that? It makes me one happy I'm older, <laughs> you know. Sure, sure. See, our coverage here uh, is not very good for... T-Mobile. Yeah, well, it's uh, for people that have hit 55, and I think that's really, really interesting because um, it's it just it's just great, um, very, very good. Well, one of the things that I understand with this network is better than uh, DirecTV is you can have all your units in every room will talk. Yeah, not only that, but what's cool is let's say that you are hooking up Wi-Fi on the main device and you hit um, log in or, you know, enter or whatever it is that, you know, starts the process. And once it gets your Wi-Fi signal and your password and everything, it just mirrors the other devices. It's just great you don't have to use a password it gives you the option yeah that's all you have to do and the whole thing talks all the setup talks and everything see with uh, direct tv the only, there's only one unit that talks is your main unit like ours is in our living room but we have two other units one in the spare bedroom one in our bedroom and when i watch tv it's usually in the bedroom and so but I don't think now, we want to go into that, Terry, do we? Yeah. yeah. No, 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 come on. Yeah, yeah. I thought you want to really make it interesting here. You know? but, I can uh, hear the crowd now applauding. Uh, applauding. Oh, no. <laughs> but uh, so uh, I call them, and I, in order to change that, they'd have to come out and run cables different. To, I tried changing the boxes around. It wouldn't work, so. Uh, you actually have to change the line or hook it up to a different place on the dish or something, I guess. So, yeah. Yep, that's right. Uh, that, so that, that's kind of a bummer. That's one th one thing I really didn't care about DirecTV for. But, yeah, gotcha. Uh, so, um, Bill, let's throw it back to you now. You just uh, bought uh, a device uh, just a couple of days ago at it came, and I'd, I'd love for you to talk about that a little bit. What did you get? Oh, I didn't realize you knew about my harness. <laughs> I, 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 I had not told anyone about it. Have you been looking at my UPS packaging or something? Uh, yeah, I no, have. No, actually, actually, actually uh, I bought the And I didn't think that you'd buy the other stuff either, Bill, but you do. <laughs> so. Well, I do, but again, it comes in plain white boxes. Yeah. Come on. Okay. Right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, so go ahead. Uh I bought the Sonus Play Bar, uh, and I did. I kept waiting. I wanted to find it on sale because it's an expensive piece of uh, equipment. I mean, honestly, seven hundred bucks is a lot to Oof. pay for a sound bar. So I waited until Black Friday and got it on sale, and saved about two hundred dollars. But I got it Monday, and of course, you and I had talked about this several times. And <laughs> yes, you, you actually did the demonstration for me, which was really good. The about about twenty-two or twenty-three minute demonstration on the. On the Sonus, and I was really sold after hearing how it sounded, uh, even even on a recorded demonstration. It was just awesome. So, and and where I, the way my house is designed, I have a great room. It's it's a large open room that encompasses uh, the the living room area and the kitchen with a uh, a bar that only a bar that separates them, and it has a cathedral ceiling. Everything is either laminate floor. Sheetrock walls and our and our ceiling, so there is there are just virtually no acoustics in there, and it echoes quite a bit. So I was looking, I was looking at this being maybe something that would help, in there, and it has, by the way. Uh, but yes, I received it Monday, and as I said, um, with you giving some pointers on how to set it up, uh, it was almost flawless, if you don't mind being a contortionist. Uh, <laughs> yes, but, uh, and we're going to go into that because this is really <laughs> funny. 
that was that was the fun part. Uh, of course, I haven't mounted it yet because I really don't know where I'm going to mount it permanently. But uh, it came in double double boxed, of course, well packaged. Uh, I took it out of the box and. Uh, in my combination office and guest bedroom, one of my bedrooms is also my office, one of my guest bedrooms. <laughs> here we go with the bedroom here. stuff again. <laughs> yeah, here we go. I mean, we're just going to open the air, and we're just going to air all this out before we... Oh, yeah. But anyway, <laughs> no secrets here. People. I know. But, uh, and my uh, computer sits against one wall, my computer system, uh, and it's on, a, it's on a large computer desk with about a five-foot hutch. And guess what? My router sits on top of that hutch. Well, oh, when you get boy. the Sonus, Sonus Play Bar, it comes with a power cord, a good long power cord, a six-foot optical cord for plugging it into the television, and about a six-foot Ethernet cable so that you can plug it into the router and then plug it into your Sonus Play Bar to reset it. And this was one of the things that Randy kept saying, you have to reset it to factory specifications. And I'm thinking, this is a new system. Well, of course, I had to set it to factory specifications. And I was telling Randy when I got it, I, we were talking, and I said, okay, I've got this thing, and <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to manage doing what needs to be done. He said, now, remember, you have to hold in both buttons on the end of the unit, and then you have to plug it into the wall, and you have to hold those buttons. There are no plugs near the bed. There are no extra plugs near the router. So I decided, okay, this is what I'll do. I, I, I plugged the Ethernet cable into the router, back of the router, stretched it across the bed, and managed to plug it into the play bar. Now I've got the play bar hanging off the end of the bed, and I've got the power cord in my right hand, and I'm reaching across, and I'm about three foot short of the wall where the receptacle is. So I decided, okay, it's time to move this along. So I, I balanced the play bar on my office chair, which of course has five casters on it. And so I, to start with, the chair starts rolling. So I grab the play bar so it doesn't fall, catch the chair, drop the cord, catch the chair, put the play bar back on the chair, and this time I slide one end of the play bar underneath one of the arms of the chair, squat down on the floor, get hunkered down in a good position like I'm going to tackle somebody, pick up the power cord, and I'm still two feet shy. So... I, I roll the whole thing over to my right. <laughs> well, of course, the chair starts rolling away on the laminate floor again, so I finally get it stopped. And in order to, to make this whole thing happen, I'm squatted on the floor, supporting my body with my left foot, sliding my right foot behind one of the casters to hold the chair, leaning way over to my right and finally get it plugged in, and I'm holding these buttons. And I, it seems like that 30 seconds is two hours and a half before oh, yeah. I can finally release it, you know? Yep. And so that was my day of contortion, but it was a fun day. So, uh, so did you where, get... Where was the cameraman that was pulled? <laughs> and, and were you... I was glad he took the day off. <laughs> and were you sore I mean, when you got done, like the next day? Could you feel it in any of your muscles? Oh, no, I, I, you know, I work out quite a bit, so yeah. that's not a problem, but it's just, you know, it was just, uh, I would have really been sore had it not worked, but I would have been physically sore. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, so at which point did you open up your checkbook <laughs> and decide that, that you were going to get the play bar? Well, you know, as I said, you and I had talked about it several times because mm -hmm. you told me you had the Sonus, and I had seen the Sonus advertised before, but I hadn't given it any thought. You right. Know, and of course, I... As I said, I bought the Yamaha refurbished sound bar, which sounds really good in the bedroom. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I was you kept saying, well, the Sonus is so much better. It has so much more range and uh, and so many more features. Uh, and they're all, of course, uh, accessible through an app on your phone. Uh, and I kept thinking, well, gee, I just, you know, I'd really like to do that. And, of course, you did the demonstration for me. And what was that, two weeks ago? Yeah, something like uh, that, yeah. Yeah, two and a half weeks ago that you did and after you did the demonstration i was convinced i really do want the sonus play bar but i really do not want to spend 700 dollars. Oh, so yeah. i just kept watching amazon for for deals until the deal came up uh, you know and, yeah. and I, I don't know if i got the best deal you know they may have a half price deal next week but it, i'm comfortable with the price and i'm certainly comfortable with the price uh with the product at the price that I paid for it because it really is a terrific product. Yep, yep. I've, uh, I know it is. I, got, I just got two Sonos ones. Got to hook them up, and I've ordered a Play Five from a friend of mine here on Anchor. 
So we're uh, it's coming together, but it won't all come together till around the fifth. Oh. So, yeah, but I will be hooking up the the Sonos ones and uh, doing a demo of that as a blind user. So I hope you look for that segment on the station. Uh, when will it be here? I don't know. Um, Terry, uh, anything else you'd like to say before we wind up the whole segment? Uh, no, I can't really think of anything. Okay. I think we covered just about everything. Okay. Bill? No, I'm just, uh, I, I appreciate uh, all of the good tips that you've given me and the good conversations that the three of us have had over accessible devices over the years, just oh, yeah. not about these devices today, but think about to the times, guys, when we were first buying the Echo devices. Uh, you know, we, we, we you, you bought one, Randy, and then we kicked that around for a while, and I yep. bought one, and then Terry bought one, and I think, what, Terry, you're up to two, two Echoes and a tap now? <laughs> I've got uh, I've got two echoes, a tap and a and a dot. Jeez. Yeah, see, yeah, see. So I have an echo, a tap, and a dot, uh, and I'm really thinking about. I wish they would put the show back on sale because I want to do something that you've done, Randy, and that is uh, be able to use it uh, as as a front door. Well, I have not seen that coming. I personally would wait until Amazon comes out with their system. I am, and I think you might see some something but uh, bear in mind this the sonos ones uh have built-in alexa in them built-in yes. echo so uh right as far as video goes i uh, just that really i wasn't happy with the show for that reason you always have to interact interact i hope mm-hmm. they take that into consideration uh with with the amazon products and mm-hmm. so they won't uh, have to have you have a screen, but we'll see. I, I just don't know yeah. what the future holds. Well, see, I already have a Nest set up with, with ex- exterior can interior cameras, and what I was hoping was the next step with Amazon is, and and the, this has been talked about. Uh, as a matter of fact, I've seen this on some articles that Nest will probably be on board with Amazon fully with the with the doorbell situation as well. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so that uh, that that makes me even you know look forward more to the accessibility of being able to walk up to one of my devices, and I can do this on my phone with the Nest cameras. I you know I can I can actually bring up my my, my uh, Nest app on my phone, and interact with someone at one of the cameras audio wise. You know they can I can hear them and they can hear me. Uh, it's a two way system, but the problem with that is when by the time someone rings your doorbell. Um, and you get your phone out and, and oh, bring yeah. up the app and I punch know. the button, yep. then they've either walked away or press the button enough times that you're angry and you don't want to answer the door anymore. So Yep. Yep. That's and I was looking for some I was hoping for something that would be a little faster at, at, as far as you know being able to respond. Gotcha. So that's that's why I'm waiting. Yep. I'm that's just, what I'm waiting for too. I'm kinda of interested in the Amazon uh, for monitoring the door with video and audio both. Yeah. 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 Me too. And this, in, this, in this day and time, you know, I mean it not, it's not it's not the fact that, that somebody is handicapped, blind, or physically handicapped in another way. Anybody in this day and time you need you need the security of knowing. But yeah, that's I, I just think it's important this day and time. I really do. Yep, I do too. Well, I want to thank you guys for joining me here on Anchor. And uh, if you like these types of podcasts, well, that's too bad because we'll never put another one up. <laughs> this is it. This, it. this is our swan song, or maybe it's the ugly duckling thing. Yeah. Know. Well, if you like them, just um, call into the station. Let me know. See what you see what you think. I'm really excited about having these guys yeah. on. Hit the applause button. Yes, because we're we are uh, we're all good friends, and we like to do uh, uh, audio podcasts and things. So this just fits right into our genre. Terry, thanks for being there. Okay, well it's been great, and uh, hope it helped uh, the listeners out there. Yep, and it's nice being on. Terry Borden, Bill Tillery, thanks again. I'm Randy Rusnak. Thank you for listening to this long segment. It was a lot of fun. It was. Bye, boys and girls. everyone it's Janine and today I thought I would talk a little bit about the Apple Watch and give you a sort of Apple Watch 101 if you are pretty tech savvy and pretty tech confident 
and you're thinking about getting a watch, or maybe you bought a watch and you're lost, <laughs> don't feel bad. Um, even the most tech savvy of us got lost with the watch at the beginning. So hopefully these couple hints will help. There is an excellent tutorial out there, and it is done by Lisa Salinger. It is available through Mystic Access. It's one of the excellent tutorials that they produce, and we will have their website at the end of this broadcast. So again, if you really want a deep dive and a very methodical and detailed look at the Apple Watch, um, please pick up that tutorial. But if you just want a couple of, you know, uh, hints and tips on how to get started, here you go. So first of all, when you purchase the Apple Watch, a couple things to know. You will want to figure out what you might want to do with the Apple Watch. And this is sort of one of those, well, gosh, I won't know until I get it. If you do a lot of fitness kinds of things and health tracking, um, the Apple Watch is wonderful for that. If you are already familiar with the Fitbit device, um, the Apple Watch is certainly on par with that. I've never had a Fitbit, so I can't compare the two. And um, physical fitness makes me break out. So <laughs> I'm allergic to exercise, obviously. So the health aspects of the Apple Watch, particularly the third generation and some of the new things that have come through Watch OS 4, some of the health tracking kinds of things like being able to better track your heart rate consistently and put some monitors on that are really nice. Um, that's, it's a really useful kind of thing, especially if you have heart difficulty or you want to keep track of your heart rate during certain activities or you know outside of activities to see if your heart rate is going up without you knowing it etc etc so there's some really big benefits there now <laughs> what else besides health and exercise can you do with an apple watch well i'll tell you what i do with mine and this may help you kind of form your use case for an apple watch primarily I use my watch to check the weather, a quick temperature check, things like that. I use it to set timers. You cannot set multiple timers with this, which is the only constraint. There may be an app that does allow you to set multiple timers, but the native timer app does not. But doesn't mean it's any less useful, honestly. I also use it for texting and text messages. And uh, this came in really, really handy last year when my father was ill before he passed away. We, as a family, you know, all were texting each other and all these things were flying back and forth. And it was so good to be able to have right there on my wrist if I wasn't super close to my phone, um, but I was within, uh, you know, Bluetooth range. I at least had it on my wrist. I could look at the message right away and I could respond right away. I also, believe it or not, take phone calls on my watch. I don't do it very often, but occasionally I will take a phone call on my watch. It's not the most graceful way to talk to people. Honestly, the phone quality is not that great, but um, it can, you know, if you really want to pick up a call or you want to see who's calling and your phone is across the room, it's definitely a good way to, uh, to work with things. It also is a fantastic remote control for your iPhone um, if you're listening to podcasts, listening to music, etc. Especially in watchOS 4. And watchOS 4 does this on all of the watch platforms, so it's not just a third generation thing, but it will pop up the now playing screen, which is a, an incredible thing. And it gives you all the, your media controls right there on your wrist, so you don't have to run over your phone and wake it up and do all of that stuff. The watch also has Siri. This is far more useful when you're further away from your phone, obviously. It is not terribly good at telling which Siri you're talking to. So if you want to do something with the Siri on the watch, that's really handy when you're away from your phone. You know, phone's on the desk, you go out to the, your kitchen to get a cup of coffee, and you want to find out something or do something with Siri, that's when it seems to work best. And actually, Siri dictation on the watch is quite a bit better than it is on the phone often. Just standard dictation seems to be a bit better on the watch. And I'm not sure why, but um, it, it just seems to be a bit better. So there we have some things that the watch can do. There's also another app that I use 
a lot called Just Press Record. I know we've reviewed that app here, and we may take a look at it again because it's got some new features uh, for the iOS version and the watch version. And it is just incredibly useful for things like appointments. You're in the doctor's office and you, you know, yeah, you can tell Siri about an appointment, but it's great to just tap on your watch, know that you're recording, and then just repeat the appointment time back and voila, then you can go later. You've got that appointment time. Just Press Record also has a translate feature, so you can get that particular text if you need it to, to cut and paste or share as you need. So that's a, that's a really nice app, and I really love the functionality with the watch. So now that we know why we want the Apple Watch, <laughs> besides the absolute coolness factor of it, now which watch do we want? And how much do you want to spend? Let me go over the versions of the Apple Watch that are out there. So we have the original or Series Zero Apple Watch. I have one of those over here. It is still a perfectly viable watch. If you don't do a lot of serious things with it that are time sensitive, which I do occasionally, and so I upgraded. The Series Zero watch came out in 2015. It was the first version of the Apple Watch, and uh, it will run Watch OS 4.1. I haven't upgraded mine to 4.1, but it will run version 4. It's a little slow, it's a little sluggish, but it will work. And so if you want to get your feet wet into the Apple Watch universe, see what the watch is like, it might be a good thing to purchase one of these. Then there is the Series 1 watch, which was a processor upgrade. And uh, next we have the Series 2 watch, which was, again, a whole form factor upgrade, I believe. And if I got these wrong, I'm sure somebody will tell me. But um, but the Series 2 has the ability to um, get water out of your watch. Um, it's got, you can flick the crown, you can put it in uh, the, the mode where you expel the water from it. So you can actually swim with it, um, which is really cool. That particular feature, plus, you know, if you... Um, Oh, play in water a bit, you know, either for your job or something else you find you end up having your arms immersed in water, then that's a that's a good idea. Uh, the Series Zero does not have that, so you can get it wet, folks, but you don't want to submerge it for a long time. You don't want to submerge any of these guys for a long time, but... So we have the Series Zero, then we have the Series One, then we have the Series Two, then we have the Series Three, which just came out this fall, and... It is new and snappy. Basically, the hardware is a tad thicker, the form factor. Just, um, you only notice it when you have the two side by side. But um, the processor is significantly faster. The speech is a bit louder, although the speaker is eh, still not the greatest. Um, so cranking the volume up on the speech gets you louder distorted speech. It does have Siri now when they say, oh, we have Siri on the watch. What that basically means is they have Siri for sighted people on the watch. We have had functionality with Siri, i.e. Siri talking back to you. If you're running voiceover, it automatically does that. But if you are not running voiceover, you're a low vision person or you're sighted, this will have Siri speak back to you in, I believe, the Siri voice. But as I said, it's not terribly practical if you're using voiceover. So now let's go into the different types of watch that you can get in terms of the case. So there are a couple different parts to the watch. When I'm talking about the case, I'm literally talking about the housing of the watch, what the outer case is made of. And there are two different types. There is the sport model and there is the stainless steel model. Now there are some really upscale models. There is a, a case that is actually ceramic, which I'm sure looks incredible, but is way out of my price range. So the cases you're probably gonna be looking at are the aluminum, which is a brushed aluminum case, and the stainless steel case. Now my watch OS Zero is a stainless steel case. And when you feel it, it um, has a bit of a different feel, it's heavy. It's, um, once you have it on your wrist for a while, you don't notice it, but initially it's, it's heavy. The aluminum watch case is much lighter and the screen, the, both screens are made of the same material, 
but the screen on the aluminum watch seems to go all the way to the edges where on the stainless steel watch it almost feels like it's got a very thin frame around it um, so the two screens feel very different to tap on as well the stainless steel screen feels like glass it really feels like you're tapping on glass the aluminum screen feels more like you're tapping on plastic and it's the same material so from the case we go to the band and when you buy an Apple Watch, you will have a selection of watch bands to buy with it. Um, you can pick any watch band you want, and you will pay extra for anything but the Sport Band and the Sport Loop. The watch comes in two different physical sizes. It is 38 millimeter or 42 millimeter, and this is measured diagonally, I believe, just like you would measure a, a TV screen or a computer screen. So the 38 millimeter is um, obviously smaller, but it, um, it seems to meet my needs really well. I have not actually physically seen a 42 millimeter watch, so I'm not sure how much bigger they are. I would say if you have any questions or concerns, you have really tiny wrists or really large wrists, you may want to go to the Apple Store and actually get a look at these watches. Now, on the watch itself, once you actually get the watch, there is a whole setup process which is fairly self-explanatory but can take quite a while. What you will get with the watch is the case and a band. You will have to put the band on the watch. And this, is, this can be an adventure at first if you're not sure exactly how to do it. But basically, the bands slide into little slots on the watch. And there are little recessed buttons on the bottom, which can be poked with your fingernail or a stylus if need be, to open up that channel and slide the band in. And then when you release it, the band locks in there. And that's all the bands. And you can very easily remove them too, which is nice. So you'll have to put the band on. Now the parts of the watch, the nice part is you've only got three parts to really worry about. Of course, there's a speaker and a microphone. You're gonna have two actual physical buttons on the watch. One is a long button and it is called the side button. Used to be called on the original watch, the friends button, but now it's just called the side button. And then you have the digital crown, which is a round button. You can press in on it and you can also turn it. The digital crown, has a couple of different uses. It can change the face on the watch in terms of changing from within an app back to your home screen, back to your um, watch face, etc. It can also move around your screen by turning the digital crown if you have digital crown navigation on. So it's quite a handy little button. The side button can do many things as well. That's how you turn the watch on and off. That is also how you bring up your dock, which is your list of frequently used applications that you can have so you can get to them quickly. Let's talk about the watch face. So the watch face has what are called complications and complications is a watchmaker's term for anything but the figures associated with telling time that is on the face of a watch. There are different faces that you can choose for the Apple Watch. And a big part of interacting with your Apple Watch is going to be the Apple Watch app on your iPhone because you will have to install this app and then work with the app to get your watch set up and installed. You can change things about how the watch appears, what appears on the watch, etc. And when you get app updates that have a corresponding Apple Watch app, they will automatically be updated through the watch app. So that's actually quite handy. But the watch app can show you all of the faces and all of the different complications. You can set them either on the watch app or on your watch itself. Let's talk gestures because the watch uses some, but not all of the gestures that you would use when working with voiceover on the iPhone. Basically, you're not gonna do anything with three fingers. You will only be working with, at most, a two-finger action. Whether that is, I think the very most is a two-finger triple tap. So that's the absolute most that you'll be doing. You have another dimension to your gestures and it is called forced touch, which is basically the same as 3D touch and long press, except it doesn't give you any haptic, usually for the force touch. So it means just putting a little bit more pressure on the screen to get to another screen or another function 
of the watch. So if you think of it like 3D touch, it's, it's there for you. And where this comes in and where it becomes important is when you're doing things like changing watch faces, you will find it fairly easy to know, you know, when or what kinds of actions you want to try with force touch. Um, some things work, some things don't, uh, or some things have force touch actions associated and some things don't. The other thing about the watch that makes it a bit different, although we're getting more and more used to it with the iPhone and with 3D Touch on the iPhone, uh, the watch does have haptics, which means it's going to buzz at different intensities and different patterns on the back of your wrist to indicate that it's doing things. So, for example, when you get a text message, you're going to feel two buzzes, a long buzz and then a kind of a medium length buzz. When you get an alert to stand, for example, you get two taps on your wrist, and it's a, a sharper buzz that actually feels more like a tap rather than a, a long buzzing feeling vibration. Uh, so, And you can customize these patterns in num a number of ways for a number of different apps. For example, the Maps app, if you use Apple Maps to get turn-by-turn -turn directions, it will give you a certain haptic or tapping pattern for a left turn versus a right turn. Probably the biggest and coolest feature of this whole haptic experience with the Apple Watch is Taptic Time. Yay! Now, there was an app on the Apple Watch a while back that actually provided this feature, but since Watch OS 3, we've had the ability to do Taptic Time. And this is an Apple-centered way to simply do a double tap on the face of the watch, and you'll get the time in vibrations. Um, honestly, they could speed it up a little bit, and that would make me happy, but um, it is great if you're in a meeting. You know, most of the time it works pretty well. Occasionally you'll get a, a miss and it will you know blurt out the time but there's a way that you can do hour and minute or just the minutes as far as time goes so that's a really handy use of the the taptic engine regarding gestures i will give you a recommendation there are times when you will need to do a two finger swipe left and right i'm going to give an orientation on the actual watch so when I am talking about moving horizontally across the screen, I'm going to imagine that I have my watch on my left hand and I am holding my arm up in front of me so that my fingertips are pointing over to my right shoulder and my elbow over here on the left is pointing past my left shoulder. Now, when I'm moving horizontally on the face of the watch, I'm moving from my fingertips to my wrist. So that's the way I want to do the swipe. Either, you know, I'm swiping between my wrist and my fingertips for a right swipe or my fingertips and wrist for a left swipe. Now to swipe vertically on the watch, that would mean if I'm holding that arm in front of me like I'm looking at my watch, that would mean that my fingers would move down the screen toward me or up the screen away from me. So those are the things you want to keep in mind. When they talk about doing a two-finger swipe left or right. I find it easier to orient my fingers rather than, you know, on the iPhone when you do a two-finger swipe, usually your fingers are in line horizontally and you go from one side of the phone to the other. So in this case on the watch, I would go from, say, elbow to fingertips if I was doing a right two-finger swipe. Well, there's really not enough real estate on the watch sometimes to register your two fingers. And so this swipe doesn't always work. I found it very hard to do. So instead of orienting my fingers horizontally, I orient them vertically to do the swipe. And the way I do this is I will actually put my right hand over my left hand with my fingertips facing my elbow. And then I will do the motion with my two fingers stacked. Hopefully that makes sense. It was a lot easier to get that two-finger swipe to work whenever I figured that out. That was probably the most difficult thing. Uh, crown navigation is a wonderful thing. You can actually move around the screen using the crown and then double tap on the screen with one finger when you get to the thing that you want. If you turn crown navigation off, though, you can also use the crown to, say, control the volume on a very fluid scale. Uh, of your watch, which is kind of nice. So there are different 
gestures and different combinations of manipulation of the buttons, etc., to get things to happen. But generally, you'll be able to figure those out. They're pretty self-explanatory. And if you ever get stuck, of course, you've got a whole host of people who have the Apple Watch and would be more than happy to help you out. I hope this was a valuable look at the Apple Watch for those of us who are uh, technically intrepid <laughs> and, and not afraid, but a little confused. <laughs> because we all were when we first got this watch. Um, there was a lot of sort of trying to figure out how to get it to do what we wanted it to do. But I think the Apple Watch has really come of age, and uh, it's a quite exciting product. If you can get your hands on one, even a used one, it's well worth the money. This has been Janine and my Apple Watch. Stand. Main Menu is brought to you by the American Council of the Blind and ACB Radio and airs on ACB Radio Mainstream every Friday evening beginning at 9 p.m. Eastern, repeating every four hours until 5 p.m. the following day. You can listen with any internet-connected device by going to acbradio.org mainstream, call 605-475-8130, use ACB Link for iOS, or grab it as a podcast. For feedback, show ideas, or demos that you have recorded, send email to mainmenu at acbradio.org. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. <laughs>